0: Today, we discuss the strange story and mysterious death of Cindy James. Was Cindy the victim of a deranged stalker? If so, why? Was it someone she knew? A former lover? Or is there more to the story? Perhaps nobody was stalking Cindy at all. In that case, why would Cindy make this all up? And what then led to her tragic death? Stick around. We'll cover it all. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of unexplained mysteries, stick around. This might be one of the strangest cases we've ever covered. This is Necronomapod. The body of the 44-year-old nurse was found in June of last year at Number 3 Road in Blundell in Richmond, her hands and feet bound. It was the end of a tortured life for Cindy James. Since her separation from a Vancouver doctor in 1982, James had become well known to Vancouver and Richmond police. More than 90 times she complained of harassing phone calls, break-and-enters, men following her, and in 1983 she was hospitalized after being found beaten in her garage. She claimed two men had attacked her. Cindy changed her name, unlisted her phone number, and moved from Vancouver to Richmond. But no matter what she did, the harassment continued. Did you uh, win the McDonald's gold card this week, Mike? All you can eat. No, actually, I forgot all, all about it since the last time we ta- discussed it. Mm. How do you enter? Just do you, you buy something from McDonald's or do you have to like. You have to order on the app. Oh, uh, I'm not a big app guy when it comes to like all that. Those places. You buy one, get one free every day on the app. Eh. I mean, I'm eating double cheeseburgers. It's not that expensive. All right. Fancy pants. <laughs> i hate apps on my phone turn away free food well, okay. i'm a minimalist when it comes to apps if i can't rich. if i can't fit it in two pages like two swipes it I, I delete an app like it all has to fit on two pages and i don't do that fucking stupid folder you don't have any folders not a, well i i have one that is for all the apps that apple won't let you delete <laughs> that i throw all in there i will not do files Or folders, And so if I download something new, there's an app going to get deleted. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. I just hate apps. I don't (laughs) like having to scroll and hunt for things. Open my phone. Click. I only have two pages. So. But do you have folders? Just whatever it came with. Oh, look at you. How many apps do you have? Do you think roughly Dave? I don't know. I have them all in folders. Like (laughs) normal people. What are you talking about? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it seems just too much. Like, really? I don't need an app to get a free cheeseburger. I don't need to do that. But you can just order and then it's there waiting when you get there. Hardly ever is that the case. And in fact, I think with McDonald's, they you have to check in when you pull up for mobile and then they make your order so that it's fresh. Like, you can't just pull up to the window and they'll be like, here you go. But you don't have to talk to anybody. You can just go pull into a parking spot and they'll bring it out well, to you. Well, that's, I don't you know, mind No interaction. That. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to do anything. You got to see the little ugly kid bringing you your sausage biscuit. <laughs> Why's it got to be ugly? Yeah, what do you? <laughs> My experience, it's not an like <laughs> <guy. laughs> Anything to lessen human interaction <laughs> is what I'm going for. I say no to apps. Delete them all. Okay. Sometimes I don't tough. even know what to respond to that. I don't know. I'm a minimalist.
1: Very simple when it comes to that. I get what you're saying, though, about not wanting too many apps. I hate them. Like, I'll download the Taco Bell app if I want to order, like, directly from them online, but then I delete it right after I'm done. I'm like, I don't want this on my phone. But
0: then does that take away any points you're getting, though? Like, are you saving reward oh, points? No, I
1: have a I have an account. Oh, so I just don't want save. that app on there.
0: Speaking of Taco Bell, the Taco Bell in town here, you can't go there anymore. The lines... It was like 40 minutes waiting in line. Incidentally. It's unusable. I wanted Taco Bell for lunch today, so I went. Talking about the one in town, right? Mm -hmm. Not on 18. Mm -hmm. And the entire way, and I went like at noon. The entire way, I'm like, oh, I I hope I have a podcast loaded up. I'm going to just be sitting. Not a single car. I pulled right up to the window. I was shocked. Huh. I did not expect it. I don't know. It probably was just luck because it was a shit show over there because there's a Target and Mm. Chick-fil-A's across the street. Everything's always swamped. I pulled right up. I couldn't believe it. Well, I I was going to say Taco Bell, you get these long lines and they're problematic because they have one lane and you can't get out of line at Taco Bell if you don't feel like waiting anymore. I feel like the government should bring them up on kidnapping charges. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're not allowed to hold me there. Why don't you change my mind? You can't (laughs) leave me with no exit. I want federal fit kidnapping charges filed (laughs) against Taco Bell. Have you used the app for that? Well, though, because they have the separate mobile order line that's the same as like the DoorDash app but yeah stuff to wait kidnappers they're holding it, it you really against your will. it really yeah it's awful you're right it's illegal and but it's it's like all the Taco Bells have that cuz the the yeah. other one in on, in our town does too every Taco Bell does yeah they should be brought up on charges someone get on that it should certainly be looked into it absolutely should Merrick Garland I'd like a review of that from the justice department please <laughs> they are, they should all be given 6 months to have an exit lane. Like at least in one spot in that line, like an exit. Absolutely. Like, like a little drive to pull out. Absolutely. Cause otherwise if you go over the curb and take out their bushes, you're the one who's going to get in trouble. Yep. Vandal. Vandalism charges. Yeah. Let alone, you know, the cops are probably going to be like, oh he's drunk driving. So now they're going to try to go after you for that. And if you're in line at Taco Bell, it's fifty-fifty. You might be drunk driving the way some of these people are. Look, I blew a point two three, but it's not my fault. I wasn't drunk. I was just trying to get out of there. I wasn't drunk driving. I mean, technically, I was, but but you don't know that officer. That's right. I would have got home just fine without this. So this is uh, an interesting story tonight, a whodunit, if you will. Very strange. It might be one of the
1: strangest, or it is. It's one of the strangest ones we've ever covered.
0: That's what I said in the opening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I smoked too much weed
0: tonight. (laughs) I think, like every paragraph of this story, I changed my mind on what I was thinking happened. No, I thought, coming into it, I had a good idea, or at least I thought
1: I did. And then, yeah, like you said, every couple paragraphs... Something
0: comes up. Yeah. It makes you change your mind. There seems to be something, whatever angle you take, there's a little... Um fact that blows holes in that theory. Mm -hmm. You can say I think this. Well, what about this? Can't explain this angle. But we'll see. Right.
1: So Cindy James was born Cynthia Hack in Oliver, British Columbia, Canada, on June twelfth, nineteen forty-four, to Matilda and Otto Hack. Cindy was one of six children, and the way the household worked was that Matilda stayed home and took care of the kids while Otto served as a colonel in the Royal Canadian Air Force. The family moved around a lot due to Otto's Air Force career, but when Cindy was in her teenage years, the family settled down in Ottawa, and at that point, Otto started working as an English teacher as his military career was winding down.
0: Matilda, does it get a thumbs up or thumbs down, Mike? The movie or the name? The name. You're a bit of a of a name Nazi. Just curious what you think. I don't love it. But I don't hate it. Like it's in middle of the road. Yeah. Take I, it or leave it. I wouldn't use that name. All right. Name anybody that or any, like that, but I don't hate it. Okay. Matilda. It's all right. I would just think of the movie the whole time. That is what I think of. Yeah. Cause that's my only, that's the first time I ever as a kid heard that name. You don't hear of a lot of Matildas. Mm-mm. In 1962, Cindy went out on her own.
1: Her father restarted his military career, which would have the family relocate to France. Instead of moving to France, Cindy enrolled at a nursing school in Vancouver. There weren't any hard feelings. Cindy just didn't want to move to France, so she would fly out there and visit her family on holidays. During her time at nursing school, Cindy wrote letters to her parents talking about a guy that she was in a relationship with. This is the first hint at some theories uh, that we're going to discuss later on in this episode. But Cindy said that things with this guy were moving fast, and the two of them had gotten engaged. At that point, Cindy wrote home to tell her parents that the two of them were on a skiing trip where this guy ended up finding out he had terminal cancer and committed suicide while on this trip. Cindy never gave a name for this guy, and it left some people in her life wondering if there was something wrong, like maybe a mental illness, because the story didn't seem real.
0: Does not seem real. No. (laughs) When you're actually Canadian... Do you say, What do you say? Like, oh, my boyfriend's from the U.S. You probably don't know him. Like, does that, does that get flipped around? I wouldn't know, but I, I guess that makes sense, right? Oh, he's American. You probably don't know him. <laughs> or do they just say from like one of those way northern provinces, it's like no one ever fucking goes <laughs> right. up there. He's taking up another geographic yeah. level. Right. <laughs> yeah. You always got to go up, right? You don't go down. Oh, he's from the North Pole. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In
1: 1965, while in her last year of nursing school, Cindy met a South African psychiatrist named Roy Makepeace. The two of them hit it off and got married on December 9th, 1966. Otto Hack wasn't a fan of Roy Makepeace. Roy was 18 years older than Cindy, and Otto felt that Roy was taking advantage of her. In an interview, Otto straight up said that Cindy was naive and gullible, Cindy was kind to everyone and was a really helpful person, but sometimes to a fault. Otto also thought that Roy was full of shit regarding his medical career.
0: What, what did he think he was taking advantage of like sexually just like wanting yeah. this hot young thing or financially? Yeah, much. Or, okay. Would you be happy if your 22 year old daughter decided to marry a 40 year old? Probably not. I don't think I'd love it, but I would meet the guy and give him a chance. Give him a chance. But it seems like maybe Otto did. And then just, Came to that conclusion Came to the, Did he meet him or was it more like over the phone? No, he met him. They, so they didn't meet and he mm-hmm. and if you meet him and you get the wrong idea, I don't blame the dad. Otto. Yeah. 22, 22 and 40. Well, I mean, I, the age yeah, is, I would not be happy is a flag oh. for sure. But then even going as far as thinking like, I think this guy is is using her like you get the wrong impression. You don't see he doesn't seem genuine. Right. Like that would make it far worse. Oh, way worse. It yeah. was already the red flag of the age, but now you're like, oh, this guy, you know. I would be very
1: vocal in my yeah uh, disapproval of that. What's that, your business
0: here, pally? Know, what give him the what for. Give him the what for. Suspicious. A little young, don't you think, son? <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that.
1: And Otto was kind of right about Roy being full of shit about his medical career. Roy was a licensed psychiatrist in South Africa. However, he failed twice to get his medical license in Canada. So instead, he accepted a job as an assistant professor in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of British Columbia. Once Cindy graduated nursing school, she took a job as a pediatric nurse at Vancouver General Hospital from 1966 to 1975 which this job was perfect for Cindy because she loved being around kids. Then in 1975, she got a promotion to be a team coordinator at Vancouver's Blenheim House, a facility that was for caring, uh, caring for kids with behavioral disorders. Cindy worked at Blenheim House for the next 12 years where everyone had great things to say about her. No one ever had a bad thing to say about her, nothing that she was weird or,
0: you know... No warning signs. No signs of anything. Of anything. Yeah. yeah. Which is important, given what we'll get into here in this later. I think so, too. Cindy and Roy ended up getting divorced in
1: May of 1982. Roy and Cindy both said that it was a mutual and peaceful decision, but that isn't what people close to Cindy say. Those closers say that the marriage was filled with fighting and physical abuse um, and there's going to be a whole inquest later on. And on the stand or, you know, whatever, when Roy was asked, uh, he said, quote, only slapped her twice. Oh, is that all Roy? And it was real nonchalant. You know, it seemed like there was more going on there, probably the way that he said it.
0: Like it wasn't a big deal to him even that he put hands on her twice.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like this whole thing of, oh man, shit went real Far and i only popped
0: her twice what's the big deal (laughs) why y'all getting on my dick about it (laughs) i'm appalled by it but clearly he wasn't doesn't sound like it
1: four months after their divorce cindy told friends and family that she thought that someone was stalking her like looking in her windows at night things like that a month later on october 7th 1982 cindy began receiving harassing phone calls these started out as someone just sitting on the other end in silence, but on October 11th, 1982, the caller started ramping up. On that night, the caller just sat there breathing heavily into the phone. Then the next night, Cindy received a call from a man who, in an angry whisper, said, quote, I'll get you one night, Cindy.
0: It almost Sounds like a movie we just watched that we'll be discussing later this month. It sure does. Hmm. One of three movies we'll be discussing later this month. <laughs> Hell of a movie show. Necro Night at the Movies, the Christmas edition. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Wasn't that the thing back then? The heavy breathing calls? Yeah, I was going to bring yeah. that up. Yeah. You're the crank caller, Dave. You <laughs> tell us. I never did that. Well, you weren't doing that kind well, of stuff. <laughs> I, I, did, I don't know. I had. I did art. Okay. Um, oh, excuse! Me. Heavy breathing is not art. You can't respect this. No, <laughs> not. <nah. laughs> oh, it's so clever and creative art. <laughs> <Get> your refrigerator <laughs> running. Good stuff, pal. Good stuff.
1: John Keel brings up the heavy breathing calls in a uh, Mothman prophecies when he's talking about the Men in Black. Like it just seemed like it was extremely common mm-hmm. back yeah, in like this that time was frame. Thing. You know, when they were talking about the Men in Black uh, calling people. He was like, and it doesn't, it's, you can't chalk it up to the heavy breathing.
0: Yeah. If that was just a known commodity that people got heavy breather calls. <laughs> That's really weird. Is it what is, like, was it were dudes getting off on doing that? Or just trying to scare yes. people, right? Like that was just freaking them out or getting off. That, Both? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird, right? Well, and then when someone's actually using your name, that gets a little more terrifying, right? Now it's just not like a random call. Yeah. When it's actually targeted something else and they know who you are. Yeah. Different
1: level leveled up. And I picture it like the golden state killer, like a clenched teeth whisper thing, trying to be Mm. scary. That makes it scary. Well, they don't stop right here. Do they Cindy immediately called the police to which they came out and investigated outside the house. Like we said before, Cindy uh, said that she thought someone had been stalking her before the call started. The police didn't find any evidence of someone lurking around the house, so they told her to keep a log uh, of any other calls that she received for investigation purposes. Shortly after the police left, Cindy got another call that said, quote, you fucking bitch, I'll get you. The next afternoon, the man called back and said, quote, so you think calling the police will keep you safe? You wait. I've got my zipper open. I'm talking to my throbbing. And that was it. And Cindy hung up the phone.
0: That movie that we watched that you're talking about, maybe some of the creepiest call voices I've ever heard. Very uh, exorcist esque type really voices. Really strange. Yeah. Yeah. If you knew what movie we we're talking about, then you could go watch it. But you don't. What, do we have to kayfabe that? I mean, <laughs> no, we're talking about Black Christmas, the original Black Christmas in 1974. 1974. Man, the caller is so creepy. Mm -hmm. They do. I'm going to save it for the show. I was about to (laughs) talk about some stuff, but we can't we can't get into all that now.
1: On October 15th, Cindy said that as she was laying in bed, she could hear someone walking around outside her home. When she woke up in the morning, she found that her porch lights had been smashed. When she got home from work that same evening, Cindy found that someone had thrown a rock through one of her windows and entered the house but nothing was stolen. Then four days later, she came home to find that someone had broken in and cut
0: up one of her pillows. I don't know how you even go about your daily life at this point with things like that happening. No, I had a note about that later on. Like you can't be safe and secure in your home. And how do you enjoy anything in your life at that point? Yeah. Like just knowing that, what are you going to come home to today? Or who's watching me right now? Right. That would just ruin your life. Very quickly. Cindy had been reporting all these incidents to
1: the police and the main investigator on her case was a guy named Patrick McBride. One of Cindy's neighbors said she had seen a man standing outside Cindy's house on three separate occasions and on one of those times he entered the gate of the front yard. McBride was certain that Roy Makepeace was behind all of this but that neighbor said absolutely not. She knew Roy, knew what he looked like and she did not recognize the man that was standing out there. Patrick McBride offered to stay with Cindy for two weeks to try and catch whoever was harassing her. Because, Whoa, what? Well, well, every time they get, go out there, they're finding no evidence of anything. She's calling daily to mm-hmm. report things.
0: This reminds me of like one of our paranormal or poltergeist stories where like the experts will come stay at the house. Yeah. Except a police officer. This (laughs) is very inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) This guy really puts the mounted in the Royal mounted Police, right? I think that's his plan at least, right? (laughs) Let's see what happens with that.
1: Uh, It just so happens that McBride's divorce from his wife was just finalized, which left him single when he moved in on October 31st, 1982.
0: Oh, how convenient. Mm -hmm.
1: A couple days after moving in, McBride found Roy Makepeace sitting in his car in an alley behind Cindy's house. Roy said that he was sitting there trying to catch Cindy's stalker, and even though this is really fucking suspicious, McBride and Roy Makepeace ended up becoming friends, and both of them kind of became obsessed with catching the stalker.
0: Eskimo brothers, huh? That's a little odd. It's nice. They bonded. Yeah, well, sure. It's a little bizarre. (laughs) It's very weird. So Roy just started to believe, make or um, McBride started to believe Makepeace, and they're like, oh, he didn't do this. He's just as obsessed with catching the stalker so that she'll love us. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyways. <laughs> Which might be accurate. Maybe so. I'm just wondering what McBride, you know, he was thinking it was Makepeace, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're going out. He won him over. Yeah, Charmed him. He's a psychiatrist, right? Probably yeah. well, hypnotized. Allegedly. Him. Well, South Africa. Otto has some questions about that.
1: (laughs) McBride said he was also witness to a weird phone call while Cindy was standing next to him where someone was silent on the other end. There was noise in the background and he could hear a woman speaking. The call was traced to a currency exchange business and that lead went nowhere. McBride also said that on November 28th, he found that the phone line to Cindy's house had been cut in five places somewhere in between november 28th and december 1st mcbride asked cindy to marry him
0: that's <laughs> not even a month later
1: <laughs> <I know. laughs> holy shit this guy moves fast she said no she wasn't about it like that at least not yet she wanted to kind of maybe date a couple more months before yeah. getting married She just got rid of the old guy she doesn't want to settle down so mcbride moved out on december 1st they still stayed in contact and they would go out on dates and stuff. Just nothing serious.
0: Cops with benefits. <laughs> right. I find it weird that the phone line was cut in five places, especially if the stalker wanted to keep harassing her and making calls. That's an odd twist. I didn't think of it like that. Or could it have been McBride and or Makepeace cutting it so that she wasn't getting those calls or any calls anymore and being like, look, we're, we're, we're protecting you. They're not calling anymore. They, they see our presence. Or could it be her herself cutting the phone line so she didn't get any more calls? Well, uh, yeah. It's just a weird twist that mm-hmm. they kind of built this all on making these weird calls. Now, all of a sudden, the phone lines are cut. Yeah.
1: Then a couple of days before Christmas of 1982, Cindy found a note outside of her house that read Merry Christmas with a picture of a woman with her throat slit and the note was stained in red ink.
0: Like a drawing or a real picture?
1: From my understanding, a real picture. Okay. And then one of your guys' that favorite metal
0: bands probably went on to use that as an album cover. right?
1: <laughs> it was probably something from a movie. It was probably a scene from something. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. I did see one of the,
1: um, one of the notes like this. Not this one, but one mm-hmm. like it, and it was like, uh, it looked like it was from a movie. Okay. Like it had a woman being held up against a a wall and it looked like something from a movie on it on january 27th 1983 the stalking turned into an actual attack agnes woodcock who was a friend and co-worker of cindy's from blenheim house
0: you said woodcock
1: (laughs) (laughs) she stopped by to see how cindy was doing When she didn't get an answer at the front door, Agnes walked around to the backyard where she found Cindy lying on the ground unconscious with a nylon stocking wrapped around her neck. When she regained consciousness, Cindy told Agnes that she had been attacked by a man while walking to her garage. The man dragged her into the garage and there was another man waiting there. She said that the two of them took turns strangling her and then put a knife into her vagina Mm. and told her, If she told anyone about this attack, that they would kill her sister, Melanie.
0: Okay, so now it's evolved to two people. And a sexual assault and an attack with a knife. Yes. There would be significant injuries. You would think so. From that attack. Like you're not just going to sit there and let them slowly put a knife in you. You're probably fighting, which is going to cause damage at the very least. I'm also confident if they're doing this, they're not worried about your safety and they're they're not gonna mm. be as precise with trying to put something in you and not have it hurt you yeah that's not even and we're only saying this because of what we're about to talk about in the next paragraph that's why i don't want us to sound like assholes and we're like oh i don't know mm. like it'd be very hard i think to do that and not have any kind of damage and the frenzy of an, an attack like situation when you're that. you're not sure. just gonna sit there and And take doing a surgical procedure. Exactly. Right. You're not going to be acting that way. And neither are they because they're attacking you. Not possible. So doctors found no evidence of sexual assault. I mean, not possible with no evidence. of.
1: We're getting ahead of ourselves. I
0: know. (laughs) Um, We're not just out here trying to, you know, tell her, (laughs) say she's a liar. I'm just Mm. saying. Yeah.
1: So they found no evidence of sexual assault, let alone evidence of a knife being put into her
0: vagina. So that's another twist in the story then.
1: So at that point, police had nothing. They had no suspect, no physical evidence, nothing. So they started contemplating the theory that Cindy was orchestrating this whole situation. And police wanted to sit Cindy down with a psychiatrist, but she refused.
0: I wonder if when Woodcock found her in the backyard, yeah. and it, this is nitpicking, but like, was Cindy actually unconscious or was she like laying there waiting for someone to find her? And then like... Oh, what? Like, what happened? Well, in the Unsolved Mysteries uh, representation of the event, she was just kind of half out of it. Just okay. Kind of brought her to shaking her. I just didn't know if, if Agnes had said any, you know, or made any comments about like, oh, I, I tapped her and she turned over and was like, mm, what happened? Right. You know, I don't know.
1: Like she was waiting to be discovered. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about it now. Agnes is a 100% believer in Cindy. Believes Cindy's story.
0: That right. She, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's good to know. What do we think at this point? Do we see doubts emerging with what's going on here? Up until what we just talked about, I was believing that somebody was stalking and harassing Cindy. The fact that she made a comment about them sexually assaulting her with a knife and then um, doctors saying, like, no, we, don't, we have no evidence of that, nor that a knife was even used on her. That. Mm hmm. That just throws us all up in the air at this point, I think. It's a curveball for sure. Yeah. And the
1: crime itself doesn't make sense to just attack her and then say, if, we, if you tell anybody, we'll kill your sister. What's the point? Right. There's no
0: point to any of that. And also, haven't they, I don't remember what the call said, haven't they been kind of threatening her all along? So then they're not, now you have the, like, the chance and you, you didn't just kill her. What are you trying to do? Right. It's being make, framed as it's some sort of game. And the two guy thing is weird too. Yeah. That's a change. And again, I'm not saying I don't. And if you want to, I'm not, I, I'm not doubting her. I'm not saying she's lying at this point. I'm just saying these are the questions that are up in the air. And McBride and Roy make became friends. So that could it's be a the, weird. That could be the two guys. If she's telling the truth. It could be. Did she say that their faces were covered? I missed that part. Or did she say she didn't recognize these men? She she said she did not recognize them. So it wouldn't have been them then. She would have known them. Unless they were disguised. That's what I mean. Like, did they have masks on? Or hard to tell at this point. Thanks, John Madden. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) On February 1st, 1983, Cindy moved to a new house. And less than a week later, she received a letter that said, quote, run, rabbit, run. I'll show you how fucking good I am soon. Bang, bang,
0: you're dead. So now it's like an official death threat. The other ones didn't necessarily allude to killing her, I don't believe, up until now. Like, I'll get you or something to that extent. Yeah, things like that. You'll get it. Yeah. Now it's an actual death threat,
1: but, I think. But, you know, we're in it mid we're getting into mid 83 at this point she's made probably close to 100 calls into
0: the police for, about for incidents prank or the, these phone calls as well as issues with her house yeah broken into it's a lot yeah i mean this
1: turns into i think they spent 1.5 million
0: investigating her case over all the years mm. with this so you can't fault the cops. They did their due diligence. Oh yeah. You know, even at one point when they thought maybe she might've been making this up, they're still following up on it.
1: And now they firmly believe after that sexual assault with the knife that did not happen or that there was no evidence of that's when they, they're like firmly in the camp that she's making all of this up for some reason.
0: As soon as you claim something like that and there's no evidence that that was possible that that happened then your credibility is shot. Well, so I wonder when she does make all these other calls, are they still coming out to the house and taking a report at least? So, th- so they're still doing that, which kudos to them, especially when you're, you're probably getting these calls rolling your eyes at this point. Like, okay, let's go on out there again. Well, it's Canada. It's true. Good people, right? Yeah, trying to help each right. other. Bret Hart told us all about that. <laughs> take care of each other up there. These police for the excellence <laughs> of execution, Mike. Much like us. Per Bret Hart's own words. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Did we talk about that on a Sunday show, or was that only on, on Patreon? Oh, I don't know. Well, it was a Sunday show. All right, good. Everyone should know. He called us the the excellence of execution, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. He sure did. That's literally going to be on all of our headstones at this <laughs> point. <laughs> and, quote, "Bright Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've peaked, right? Like, you don't get better as a podcast from that. How could you? It's all downhill. Where are you going to go to? Yeah, what? Do you, I mean, that's it. <laughs> We should we this should be the final show and then that we just right off into the sunset <laughs> every Sunday we just released the audio clip of Bret Hart talking about us
1: so after she got that letter um, on February 1st the threatening and harassing phone call started again to which Cindy moved um, to another house in April of 1983
0: two months later
1: mm-hmm. just trying to get away from it and
0: very disruptive to your life which I guess what well, that that's what you would do, right? I, I mean, it, I don't know. That's what I would want to do. Move, thinking that would help. You get almost away. have to. Other, changing
1: other thing-
0: your phone number doesn't work, right? Yeah, and, and then the only other thing to do is uproot your entire life and move all the way across Canada or, you know. To the United States where it's not that violent. Of course. Well, we'll take care of you. I mean, it's safe here. <laughs> During this time, it's worth noting that
1: Roy Makepeace was trying to get Cindy back. Specifically, by buying her expensive things, he even paid for her to visit her brother in Indonesia, where he was stationed. But she never got back with Roy,
0: which it, is interesting. Not because he's trying to get her back. Maybe a little frustrated when she's not taking him back. Yeah, because two
1: weeks after she gets a letter that said, "quote Welcome back, death, blood, hate, etc." Do
0: you think he ran out of words to use? It was just <laughs> like eh, throw that one on there. Just throw et cetera on the end. Yeah, It's weird for like a, an intimidating note to have et cetera in there, right? Like. Sounds a little passive aggressive. You could have just put a the, you could fit. have ended it after hate, but <laughs> yeah. like you put that on there and I'm like, okay, is this like a, a formal like business email? <laughs> <laughs> like what if the chili peppers would have named blood, sugar, sex, etc. the album wouldn't have been as good, right? Yeah. It's weird. It's <laughs> yeah. really weird. So, yeah, and then this
1: little paragraph here that made me kind of go back into thinking it might be Roy Makepeace because he's buying her all this stuff, paying for all these things. She doesn't get back with him. Clearly, he's still
0: really into her. Yeah. And then she starts, then she gets this letter, a welcome back one. He's playing the good cop and bad cop role. Yeah. No offense to McBride, who is a cop.
1: And here's a, just a random mm. thought that popped in my head. Could some of this be Roy Makepeace trying to scare her back to him? Into his arms. Like, oh, you need a man
0: in the house. Absolutely. And and the wording on these letters are kind of, I don't know, it's bizarre. Is it something that a psychiatrist from South Africa might cook up as kind of weird language to freak her out?
1: I still keep going back to his
0: relationship with McBride, though, too. Like, they became really close. He knows McBride... Proposed to her. I would imagine he would know. Probably made him even angrier. No? And you think he kayfabed it and was like, oh, we're no. going to be buds? I don't know. It just, it, it make The two-person it, it attack both really in. throws a wrench into a lot of the scenarios, though.
1: Not long after finding this note, Cindy hired a private investigator named Ozzy Cabin to help catch her stalker. Cabin gave Cindy a two-way radio to contact him if anything happened and a wearable panic button. Like that whole I've fallen and I can't <laughs> get insane, up, then right? life alert. Yeah. <laughs> I've <I'm> fallen! <laughs> it's the funniest commercial the ever. The funniest,
0: like the worst. Like, how did they watch that? And they're like, yeah, we're going to use that. That's good <laughs> shit. That's what we need. What's that? You just push the button and it connects right to the police or like mm-hmm. EMS or whatever. I think so, yeah. yeah. Just like an OnStar system when you... Get an accident. I mean, it's probably
1: super helpful. The commercials ridiculous.
0: I've she's <laughs> <laughs> know it. straight down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen those commercials in a while. They still have I those. I don't know. It's all probably an app now. Mm. You know, I wouldn't have it. But <laughs> like, Mike, your life's on the line. No, no, thanks. But the point is to have it on you at all times, so you can wear it around your uh, neck. Right. Right. I can have your phone on you at all times. Well, I mean, if you're in this, mal- day, in this day and age, doesn't everybody have their phone usually within like five feet of them at all times, but you wear this thing, right? Yeah, it's you right wear there. it. Yeah. It's like a, like a necklace type thing. Fail safe.
1: If I you will. It. Between October and November, 1983, um, on three separate occasions, a dead cat tied up with rope was left in her garden and the stalker started calling Cindy's work. Some of those calls were answered by Cindy's co-workers and they all said that the caller never spoke all they could hear was breathing
0: was she there too
1: it's unclear
0: was it weird like it was her day off yeah that's, she could have been making the calls I, it's hard I to corroborate all this stuff right oh i didn't even think of that i was like well maybe the stalker just thought she was working but yeah. you were going that route like she wasn't there has anyone ever heard the call with her present McBride well, said he did. Yeah. He said he heard a silent call that they traced back to somebody, and it was mm-hmm. a girl's voice—nothing like what we would have normally heard. Mm-hmm. Because clearly, when somebody else answers, like in this one, he just hangs up or he's quiet. And everybody hears breathing. That's breathing or silence mm-hmm. doesn't really. Well, at least for us, but we're a bunch of fucking mouth breathers, right? <laughs> neck beard mouth breathers. <laughs> <laughs> But that's interesting. You can't that. prove
1: anything from yeah. breathing. and
0: No. Yeah. But, like, so, but that should be something somebody knows, right? Hey, when, when such and such co-worker, when you got this call, was she working that day? Was she there? Especially if you're the police and you're already thinking she might be making this up, wouldn't you have asked the co-worker, like, hey, was Cindy on shift this day? Was she around? Did you see her? She could have been in her office doing it, but like, Just something to think about. It might be in the police file somewhere, but probably not something we're going to see. Maybe you wouldn't see it if McBride was involved.
1: Maybe not. On January 30th, 1984, Cabin heard some odd sounds coming from Cindy's end of the two-way radio. When he got into her house, he found Cindy lying on the living room floor, unconscious, with a knife stabbed through her hand into the floor with a note under her hand. The note was made from random letters cut out of magazines and read, quote, now you must die, cunt.
0: But then why didn't he kill her? Yeah. Like, you were there, dude. Right. Yeah. You've already attacked her. Seems suspicious. Unless you're just trying to ruin her life, Mm -hmm. make her constantly on edge. You don't have the actual intention of attacking her. You just want to send signals which you could do by breaking into her house and destroying a pillow like that would fuck any of us up. Mm. It's just very risky. All these intrusions into her house. At some point, someone's going to see you. If this is actually happening. when they know that something's going on, cause it's been going on for how many, like a year and a half now. Yeah. And at
1: this point in the story, cause now what we're in getting to 84 police do surveillance on her house. They have officers sitting there watching. The things don't ever happen yeah. when they're surveilling, right?
0: Right. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the police bent over backwards trying to catch whoever this was doing this to her.
0: And when they did the surveillance, they obviously then never saw her doing anything to her own house, Mm-mm. busting out a window or anything. Or I mean, we're going to get into some more stuff here with the house in a bit. But obviously none of that was seen either. Cabin rushed Cindy to the hospital,
1: and when she came to, she said that the last thing she remembered was a man coming into her home and hitting her with a blunt object. She briefly came to in the struggle, and according to Cindy, the man put a hypodermic needle in her arm. Doctors found the needle mark that Cindy was talking about, but they didn't find any substances in her system. Like nothing, you would think that. The needle was, had something in it to knock her out, make her unconscious. and
0: Because what else would it be
1: for? Right. But there was nothing in her system. One thing to note with this incident, police found blood smeared into Cindy's kitchen floor in a circular pattern, suggesting that someone attempted to clean the blood up.
0: Does that help Cindy's case or
1: hurt it? The way the police see it is that she was trying to clean up
0: but blood from what then? The kitchen floor, and I was sta- staging this. Like maybe she put a needle in her own arm and there was some blood and she tried to clean it up. I'm just trying to think which way that that would lean me. Why would someone who's doing this to her stop and take the time to clean up the blood and just leave her pinned to the floor like that, I guess? But why would she do it if she wants to make it look like she was attacked, too? You would think you'd want to leave the blood to show like, oh, there was a struggle and I was hit. I that part's know. just really weird to yeah. me. Unless your
1: story had nothing to do with being in the kitchen at all. You know, she said she was sitting in her living room when she was attacked. She made a little mistake in the wrong room. Yeah. Setting it up. That's what the police think at least. Yeah. On June 18th, Cindy called Cabin in a panic and he rushed to her home to find Cindy hiding in the garden saying that someone had broken into the house. Cabin found her dog, Heidi hiding in the basement along with a note that read happy birthday alongside pornographic photos. Her dog Heidi had been tied up and Caven said that the rope bound around her appeared to be the same as the rope on the dead cats that Cindy had found the previous fall. On a windowsill in the basement, a cigarette butt was found, which did not match the brand that Cindy was known to smoke. On July 1st, Cindy told Cabin that two men had showed up at her front door, posing as police officers, but ran away when she radioed Cabin. Then, not long after, a co-worker of Cindy's at Blenheim House received a call which said, quote, get rid of the big pig. On July 9, 1984, Cindy's mother spent the night at her house. In the middle of the night, her mom woke up to Heidi barking and found Cindy checking the windows and doors on the main floor of the house. Moments later, they both heard the doorbell ring and found a window near the front porch cracked. Two weeks later, on july twenty third, Cindy claimed that she was attacked by a man in a nearby park while she was walking her dog at eight thirty PM. According to Cindy, her attacker was a bearded man driving a green van with a female passenger. So now we're introducing a female into this situation. Several hours later, at around midnight, she was found in a dazed state attempting to enter the home of a neighbor and had a dark gray nylon stocking around her neck. She was taken to the University of British Columbia Health and Science Center, where doctors found two puncture marks on her right arm. While Cindy was being treated, a hospital receptionist told authorities a man with an accent had called the front desk, asking about the hospital's security policies. When police played a radio clip of Roy Makepeace's voice, the receptionist said that it was a, quote, strong possibility that it was the same person.
0: So this paragraph is insane in every direction. a lot going on. The first half I'm like, okay, her mom was staying the night. She wakes up in the middle of the night. Cindy is closing windows, blinds or whatever. There's a broken window. And my thought is a lot of stuff is allegedly happening and nobody is seeing it. She's getting attacked in the park. Now there's a woman all of a sudden, no witnesses to this again with that scarf around her neck too. Right. Trying to walk into one of her neighbors' houses. Right. Mom heard uh, the doorbell right. though. Did she was she with Cindy when she heard the doorbell? That's what she says, but could be a neighbor checking. I don't know. But but then there's that. But then you get to this this call about her insurance policy when she's in the hospital. Security policy. I'm sorry, security policy. Like what does that even mean? But it, it's a weird call and the fact that that she could put it back maybe to make peace's voice. Like, what the fuck are we supposed to think at this point? But did Makepeace just f- hear that she got attacked and was in the hospital and he was calling up and maybe they misconstrued what he was asking? I mean, Maybe because he it was her ex-husband, he was like, what are, are you policies? Allowed? Can I see her? Yeah. Or what are you allowed to tell me about her condition? I think things just get blown up sometimes. Could they be working together? Makepeace and Cindy. Yeah. I mean, I'm and not ruling out anything. Maybe the whole plan was to maybe, I, well, I don't know, because given how it ends, it doesn't make sense. But that's a weird question, though, to call about security policies. What does that mean, though? I don't know. Well, I, hello. I don't know. Hello, I, hospital. Mr. Dr. Makepeace here. What are your security <laughs> policies in place today? <laughs> I don't even know what that
1: means. It seems like a very broad term.
0: We all know no one had security back in those days. You could do whatever the fuck (laughs) you wanted. You could smoke cigarettes on the plane, you know, carrying a butcher knife with the. It's just very odd that in one in one paragraph, there's so much to kind of. I I feel like pull you in back to the original. uh, Like, which way are we going with this one? Oh, nobody is seeing this stuff happen. Which then you're like, well, she might be faking this. Mm -hmm. I still think that call is really weird. That's not the be-all end-all, but it's very odd. It's a piece of the puzzle, if you will. Possibly. And then the doorbell thing with her mom. Okay, if if you're standing right there with her, it's the middle of the night, and the doorbell rings, that's weird. Did they answer the door? Did they look? I, I wonder that. Are you both near the door? Mom looked the other way, mom's old, and you reached your hand around and rang the doorbell? And you go, oh, it was the doorbell, mom, something like or like, that knows? lady from across the street who said she saw the man. Maybe she saw the lights on from across the street in the middle of the night. Saw there was a broken window, came over to check, rang the doorbell. Yeah, there's a lot of busy bodies in neighborhoods. There certainly are, Mike. Or what time was this Four in the morning? Dave, you would have been up sitting on your porch having coffee. You might have saw something Sometimes at this time. So, that would be possible.
1: <laughs> so now we're three years into this thing. And in 1985, it was decided that maybe hypnosis could bring out a detail about one of these attacks that Cindy couldn't remember. In January 1985, while under hypnosis, Cindy told police that she had witnessed Roy Makepeace murder a man and a woman, then dismember their bodies with an axe while they were vacationing at a cabin in 1981. According to Cindy, Makepeace smeared blood from one of the victims' severed limbs across her face during uh, the dismemberment. It was found later that Cindy's sister, Melanie, was with her on this vacation and said nothing even close to what Cindy talked about happened. That they just had a normal vacation.
0: I think this is a check mark in the not in Cindy's category because... Clearly, it's not yeah, this, great. This yeah. is a big check mark. Yeah. <laughs> this is one you kind of circle back to, and
1: you, you know, because mm-hmm. she rolls with this outside of hypnosis in real life. Afterwards, but she didn't remember it until hypnosis, right? That came out during hypnosis. Is that
0: common for people to remember what they've discovered in under hypnosis? I we've talked about that many times. I think in have we? Story. I don't remember. Sure. Like when we discuss hypnosis, Barney Hill, but did he remember it after I'm asking like when, when he had his whole thing under hypnosis, when he came out of it, did he remember all that still? Or did he, he was like, what the fuck did I tell you guys?
1: The well, So how that hypnosis worked was that it was designed where he would not remember it. And Betty would not remember it afterwards so that they couldn't,
0: how do they do that? Something with hypnosis. I don't know. So there is a hypnosis, allegedly, where you can... You remember what you... You remember everything you say. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a version where you don't. Right. Okay. Clearly, this was one then, based on what Cindy was saying, where she was remembering after the fact.
1: Because then yeah, you said, like she said she ran with it. <laughs> yeah, she Meanwhile, goes with this. Poor
0: Melanie's like, nah, that I
1: was there. And poor Roy Makepeace, because this yeah. story, there's like a little side quest in this where the police really looked at Roy Makepeace for a bit to see if he ever murdered someone. Mm. Like if there was any weight to that
0: again, they should have looked into him. That makes sense. He's close to her and has maybe an ax to grind. But if she's making this kind of stuff up, like that's also terrible for him. Does she feel like Roy's the one terrorizing her? So she makes up a story to try to take care of him. Maybe because she
1: does say that. She, what do you mean? That she thinks Roy was behind
0: some oh, of I this. See. Or She's all like, of it. I know. I'll get him. I'll remember this story about how he murdered someone <sighs> and maybe we can get rid of Roy. I don't think there's a theory yet that I'm like, no, that, that of course, is not it. Like, I'll, that's very plausible. Yeah, right. Like, there's too much going on. I like this one bit. I want answers, Ian. <laughs> I know you'll give him. He'll give him to us in the next you hour. You want answers? <laughs> I want the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you're goddamn right. I ordered the hypnosis <laughs> people at We plan that as <laughs> a shoot in late June, 1985,
1: Cindy was involuntarily committed to a psychiatric unit at Vancouver's Liongate hospital after attempting suicide by overdosing on pills. The following month on July 2nd, 1985, She agreed to allow police to wiretap a phone conversation with Roy Makepeace, during which she accused him of being the source of all of this shit and confronted him with uh, that memory she recounted under hypnosis of him murdering two people. Like I said, she rolled with it and she's like, admit what you did. Like, you know, I want to hear you say that you killed these people. Full court press uh, on Roy. During the conversation, Makepeace denied everything and said that Cindy was insane and suffering from a quote an enormous revenge fantasy.
0: Mm. That's something maybe an innocent person would say. Also, sounds like something a liar would say. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Way to cover your bases, pal. <laughs> Look, I we did a whole Scott Peterson thing, and I did not think I was going to have the outcome that I thought, and it just made me look like for three straight weeks <laughs> that I was a defense attorney. <laughs> so I'm covering all my bases on there this. You one. go Cindy received a package at her
1: home in early July containing a black nylon sock with a note that read quote blood flowing freely. I'm sorry. These are just very strangely worded phrases. Not a whole lot of thought and
0: really it. trying hard to, to, to understand what trying to get at with these phrases but you're trying to understand it with with no knowledge of who might be doing it. Right. So it's which is 100 times more difficult like what's the angle? What are you trying to do? Is this just Cindy coming up with things that she might find scary so she writes it down? Yeah, I keep going back to this sounds like a psychiatrist trying to be clever. But then she lived with the psychiatrist for 20 years, so maybe that's her trying to be clever, trying to make people think that that's him being clever. But she also told people she thinks it's him. Yeah. So, but you can't try, you know, you know, it could be a lot of different things going on here. Yeah. Very hard to to pinpoint. It's just like a crossroads. Like, okay, which lane you going to go in? On August 21st,
1: 1985, a fire broke out in the basement bathroom of Cindy's home at approximately 445 a.m., When firefighters and police arrived at the house, they saw Cindy in what they called a, quote, heated discussion with private investigator Cabin, saying that she had taken her dog out for a walk at 3.15 a.m. and returned home to find the fire. And not victim blaming or, you know, whatever, but Cabin's like... All this shit's happening. Why are you out walking the dog in the middle of the night with everything that's been going on?
0: Exactly. So see, with this one, I did actually think, you know, she was been working in hospitals. Maybe she had just gotten home off a shift, took the dog out. She was like actually like taking it on a walk. Even if you worked. I mean, I understand. I wouldn't be doing that either. But if you worked a shift, you know, maybe your dog's routine is to go for a walk when you get home. So that's what you were doing. Maybe not the smartest idea. But I don't know. Again, that's something that you could easily find out if people would have asked, or or maybe Mm. maybe they did, did she just get off of work? That would at least explain a part of it. Otherwise, it's extremely weird to get up at 3.15 a.m. and take your dog for a walk. If someone broke into your house and pinned you with a knife to your floor, I I would think I'd be terrified all the time. I couldn't imagine being out in the middle of the night by myself. I don't think I'd go out of the house, period, even during the day. But it's a tough sell there. But at the same time, if this has been happening for a year and a half. Maybe, maybe some part of you is like, "I need to live my life. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I refuse to live in fear." Maybe that's a mindset. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to put yourself ins- it, inside. It's it, it's very weird. Why you at a three fifteen? My initial thought was maybe she got home from work and she needed to take the dog out. And, and even th- if you were a victim of a crime at one time, it would be hard i think oh, you'd be yeah. nervous about being out at 3 a.m by yourself she's yeah. a victim of a sustained campaign of violence against herself yeah. three just, years worth like over and non-stop I, I just i can't imagine being in that position and leaving yourself vulnerable like that in the middle of the night since obviously they know where you live they've uh, attacked you in your
1: home before so there was no evidence that the house had been broken into at least the upstairs The only way to have gotten into the house at that point was through a small window in the basement. The soot and dust on the windowsill were not disturbed and burn up newspaper was found in the bathroom. Police believed that Cindy started the fire herself. And at that point, their suspicions that Cindy was behind all of this became a a real possibility for them. Like they're like, okay, this was that extra push we needed Mm -hmm. To believe that we she is behind We suspected it this. before, but now probably certain that that's what's going on. Right. Because there was literally no one else that could have started that fire.
0: Yeah. It's also a weird place to start a fire. Right? In a shower. Yeah. It okay. and, and there's newspaper there. I don't know. It seems like just something very easy you could set up to make, mm. make it look like your house caught fire. Doesn't make much sense. Like if someone did that to you. You could just walk in your bathroom and turn the water on. And you're like, "Huh? I got to clean up this messy newspaper, but (laughs) no harm, no foul, I guess.
1: On December 1st, 1985, Cindy moved again to a new house. Then on December 11th, Cindy was found lying in a ditch, semi-conscious, six miles from her new home. She had a black nylon stocking tied around her neck and a needle mark on her arm, along with cuts and bruises. She was only wearing a man's work boot and a glove. And given the cold temperatures, she was suffering from hypothermia. As well as the previous attack, she has no memory of how any of this happened.
0: Mm. That she's telling anyway.
1: In early 1986, Cindy changed her last name from Makepeace to James, thinking that it could help hide her identity and get the stalker to stop. Cindy also asked her friend Agnes and Agnes's husband Tom to spend a couple nights a week at her house. One night in April 1986, the basement was set on fire again. Tom was the only one home at the time, and he attempted to call the fire department, but the phone line had been cut. He then ran from the house to call for help when he saw a man standing on the curb when he asked this guy to call 911 for him the man ran off down the street hmm. so that's a little more of a wrench now Tom hmm. Woodcock is saying that he saw he was the
0: uh, only one at home according to him interesting not sure what to make of this also it could have been just a kid out that was part stone of my in thought in the middle of the night who would run on the curb too was this the middle of the night That we did we say that doesn't specify but, but it, it, it was that night Where was Cindy at work? I believe so. Okay. Like a fire going off when she's not home. If her whereabouts were accounted for, she doesn't seem like in a skilled arsonist who could set timed, timed fires kind of thing.
1: And there's people that think Agnes and Tom Woodcock
0: were behind
1: all of this stuff. Really? And this is something that they point to as an example that they could be behind it. Mm. And, the Woodcocks claimed to be around for a lot of this stuff. In collusion with her? or Doing this to, doing her, to her. Doing this to her. There's people that believe that. It's mm. another wrench.
0: This is legitimately the Charlie Kelly on <laughs> yeah. the board. Like the conspiracy <laughs> theories from Always Sunny. Like this is insane. And is it- everything we've brought up as a theory, like... Has potential like Mm -hmm. you. I don't think we've killed one theory tonight yet. No, I'm not saying we will. I'm just saying it takes a lot of commitment to do something like this over a prolonged period of time to somebody. Yeah, I mean, we're four years in at this point. That's an all in commitment. But it also doesn't seem like it's the most precise professional things being done right like we talked about the notes they seem very eh, kind of half-assed written mm-hmm. also newspaper and a shower like eh, half-assed like pinning her hand with a knife to the floor in her house and then blood cleaned up and i'm talking from either standpoint mm-hmm. like nothing is done to where you're like oh this th- whoever doing this knows what they're doing right. it's been going on a while but they, they don't seem like they're, they're, that, they're that far ahead of the authorities. And they're thinking, you know, they're not playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers type no, thing. No, it's not no, that.
1: No. You would think with the amount of police work that was put into this, that within four years, this stalker would have slipped up once.
0: Especially if it was Agnes and her husband. Right? Yeah. They couldn't elude police and do all this, right? You wouldn't think. doesn't seem possible. In, or do they know because they're good friends with uh, Cindy when the police are there and when they're not? I it's mean, like an inside Sin- man kind of
1: thing. But it, yeah, because she they would know the most to gain what though? What was the theory? Uh, what just is the- that they were doing it for whatever reason.
0: There had to be a motive, sickos! though. Sickos. Yeah, right. <laughs> some people are born bad, Mike. Born bad. They don't. Some people break bad, and some people are born bad twisted fucks (laughs) twisted woodcocks (laughs) the woodcocks i don't know i have no idea this story is bizarre could she have been involved in in something bigger like what there are times it it seems that she's under the influence she worked at behavioral hospitals she had access to needles could she have been involved in some pill running regime She, what's the point of the torture though? If you get that point, let's just kill her. Yeah, four years is a long time to do something daily to a person. Maybe there was money owed and they were trying to get their money. You're not going to kill someone if they owe you money. She had access to pills to me. It seems like she may have been on pills the way she's stumbling into people's houses, neighbors' houses, unconscious. I think she wants people to think she's been drugged a lot.
1: She also, so drugger, as a nurse, so has could, easy
0: access to right. all these drugs. Exactly. It was just, I don't know, just something else I'm thinking of. Maybe that's why there's some random men being seen. They're showing up at the house to either get paid or get pills or mm. sell her pills. I like pills. I want to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy's doctor
1: eventually had her committed to another psychiatric ward, doing to fears that she would harm herself. He had her evaluated for multiple personality disorder but ruled that um, all of this craziness, everything that was happening to her, was the result of the police not believing her claims. Cindy remained in the hospital for 10 weeks after which she admitted to her family that she knew more than she was letting on. Cindy said that she knew who was harassing her and if the police weren't going to stop them, she would. Uh And So this starts... The thing of her saying that she knows who it is and but she can't tell anybody because she'll put her her family at at risk and things like that. It almost
0: seems like the old angle's played out, so she has to introduce a new a new level of of something to this story. To I don't know, regain sympathy, regain interest, however she's looking at this. Maybe. I'm not sure. Or she feels she's losing the police cuz the police clearly have been on a on a path of we don't believe you. Yeah. Or or you know, that's what they think. I don't know if they told her that, but maybe she's feeling like she's not getting that same support. Oh, they think I'm a crazy person. Um I don't think she's going to win the police back over, but I think maybe the maybe the if the family's buying the police story, then she's like I got to up this a level so to get more sympathy back from my family. Potentially. I'm a little unsure here. Yeah. Very complicated case. People can be real disappointed when uh, we get to final thoughts and we're all fucking tongue tied. <laughs> <up. laughs> <laughs> we'll do, we're we'll doing the old, uh, let us know your thoughts at uh, all the socials and mm-hmm. we'll discuss from there. <laughs> we just fucking kayfabe our way out of it. On October 11th, 1988,
1: Roy Makepeace received two strange messages on his answering machine. One of the messages was a whispering voice that said, quote, Cindy, dead meat soon. And the other one said, quote, more smack, more downers, another grand after we waste the cunt, no more deal. Uh, So Roy Makepeace contacted the police immediately. He was like, and this is supposing that he's innocent Mm -hmm. of all this. He's like, they're already looking at me for murder and stuff so i don't even want to hold on to these calls for a second no so he went straight to the police and was like this is what was just left on my answering Dave, machine
0: if you were roy Makepeace and you got those voicemails and you knew they were already kind of looking at you and you were going to go show them those voicemails would you or would you not go to them with your attorney 100 percent with my attorney okay every time moving on without fail i think we're gonna listen to this uh phone call phone, uh, messenger <whistles> That's uh, a woman. Yeah, that's in my <laughs> opinion, like that is 100% that, a woman. Yeah. female that might be on drugs. Very much sounds like a female voice. I don't want to come off that I'm victim blaming, and I understand it might. At this point, I'm leaning towards she was hooked on some shit and was paranoid and was freaking out. And that is the bulk of this story. I haven't put it all together yet, but that's what I'm leaning towards. That certainly did sound like a female, though. It did. And the only other thing we have for the female is that she said that when she was attacked in the park, she may have saw a female in the van. Right. Can you play it one more time? Yeah.
1: The beginning part, you can maybe question, but the meet soon, it really sounds like a woman speaking. Like it sounds like the voice almost... Like it, they lose it a little bit towards the end
0: because like everything else we've discussed on this, none of this was done like well executed. No, it was no. all almost, you know, like a C plus effort mm-hmm. on everything that was done in the stalking realm and the calls and the notes and, the you know, quite frankly, it sounds like the voice I would expect Cindy to have <laughs> looking at, at her picture. If she was faking that. Yeah. I I 100% agree with that, because I looked up a photo of her earlier. It's clearly I didn't know what she looked like, but yes. It's still fucking creepy. And if if she didn't get diagnosed with anything, her mental health, that's what led me to think maybe somewhere along the way in her field, she got hooked on something.
1: It seemed like they really focused on split personality disorder and... That's extremely rare. And there's Mm -hmm. doctors that debate that on if that can even exist, Mm -hmm. like where you just switch personalities and you the real you doesn't remember any of this going on.
0: Which would make sense for what she's saying. But also given this, maybe she didn't agree to just a a full mental health evaluation type thing. Like, why would you not do that? Well, she was admitted
1: for what, 10 days or 10 weeks. 10 weeks. So why would you
0: not do run the gamut of everything? And maybe they
1: did. And that information is just not out there. I I don't know.
0: Yeah. I certainly wouldn't want to paint her as anything else. if, If there were some mental health issues going on, but whatever they did test her for, they did not find conclusive or they found it conclusive that she was not what split personality. Right. 15 days later, Cindy was found
1: unconscious in her garage She had been hogtied and was nude from the waist down. Again, had a black nylon stocking tied around her neck. Around this time, the police hired a knot expert to analyze the knots on the stockings. And the expert said that it was highly unlikely that Cindy would have been able to tie those knots to herself. However, I kind of call bullshit on that a little bit because BTK had himself tied up Arms behind his back into a tree did that alone somehow it's a good point like i look at the btk pictures when we when i've seen them before and then when we did the episode and whatever and i'm like how the fuck did he pull off tying himself up like that And most of the time in most of these incidents with cindy they're not tied perfectly tight they're not Not the way someone who was
0: trying to restrain you would tie them.
1: Right. They're kind of loose
0: and Mm. not great. Mike, you're a balloon knot expert. What do you think about all this? (laughs) You know, it's a little different, I think. Um, Could I lick my own balloon knot? No. (laughs) Would you want to if you could? Well, now that's a bridge too far. My friend, we're going down a road. I don't know what road you're going though. I don't think you want to ask questions. You don't want to hear (laughs) the answers to. In January, 1989,
1: a guy named Richard Johnston, uh, who was a life insurance salesman who sold Cindy a policy, moved into the basement of her house she offered him to rent the basement just to have someone living with her. She felt like she would be safer. Seems weird. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like you would buy something off your insurance salesman. Like, all right, yeah, move
0: in. Yeah. How can we further complicate this story? I know. Let me, the li- <laughs> The guy I buy my life insurance from, I'm going to have him move into the house and he'll become a character in the
1: story as well. <laughs> On April 8th of 89, A security guard at Richmond General Hospital, where Cindy got a new job, found a note made out of random letters from a magazine which read, Soon Cindy. The phrase, Sleep Well, was also found written in dew on her windshield that night. Following a reported attempted break-in at her home on April 29th, the police used search dogs to track the alleged intruder, but the dogs found no trail. Interestingly, on May tenth, eighty nine, dogs were again used to follow another alleged break in, and they were able to track the scent of an unknown person that led over the backyard fence of Cindy's home. Mm. So another wrench thrown into that is an
0: interesting one. Yeah, but could it have been the mailman or something? Hey, I mean, if you could have a mailman just cutting, cut, cutting cut through. I just think in I scenarios think like this where like something that just the normal course of business shows up as yeah, something unexplained like that. Like something like that I lean towards probably more likely than like that phone call we discussed earlier from fucking, what's his name, Roy? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That holds more weight to me than, than the scent. The scent could be anything. Mm-hmm. Could be the, the electrician just checking power lines. Could or, be kids know. playing tag in the neighborhood. Exactly only those dogs could talk and tell us what they smell <laughs> right like what the fuck get better dogs all this evolution over how many years and dogs still can't talk Ugh, pisses me off they could. i know what happened to patrick mcbride and all this time oh he's still in the case no no he um so
1: weird after all this happened he ended up going to prison for sexually assaulting two women what yeah, he lost being a police officer. Wait a minute! All <laughs> oh,
0: right.
1: <laughs> mm. There yeah, is a lot was of a twist. twists and turns yeah, here. I was saving that twist for the oh, end. Oh, sorry. No, it's, oh, we guy. can talk about it now because mm. behind the scenes, at mm. least at this point, Patrick McBride is sexually assaulting two women. Or so, but he
0: was brought in mm. after the alleged calls happened. Alleged calls happened, but then immediately becomes buddy-buddy with the girl that he's now into, Cindy. Moves, moves in. Ex-husband. Moves in. Now, there's no reports that ma- he sexually assaulted her.
1: No, but they dated but and they, they presumably...
0: Dated. Banged. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to marry. He asked made, her to marry. Made love, please. They made love. <laughs> it's a family-friendly show. People are listening right now, driving their kids to school. <laughs> Engaged in coitus. How's that? I like made love <laughs> okay. because that's the way God intended it, right? They were trying to procreate. So, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. He injected himself. In this I did You just dropped a bomb on me. <laughs> did you know this, Dave? No. Uh-uh. Mm. that blows us wide open, in my
1: opinion. But the harassment was happening before um,
0: McBride got involved but before he met cindy and after he went to prison though like what's his timeline in relation to this did he go to prison after the end of this story yes and so his crimes were discovered after these after this story had its conclusion right so Mm. i guess in my mind the only theory would be if you think roy was doing it he maybe recruited mcbride in to help him Mm. like, kind of passed the torch off. Because McBride was randomly assigned the case, right? Because there was already been it's already been happening. Maybe. Mm. Now that you're involved, hey, why don't you move in with this girl? Mm. It's kind of like Saw when uh, Jigsaw died and he passed it on to the cop. Yeah. How about that? Ooh, which one was that? Mm. I don't remember that one. It's like eight or nine. Like five or six. <laughs> yeah, I don't Still, I'm not sure I got that far. <laughs> I don't remember. What's the one... Um, Denny Glover's in. One. I, I'm not thinking that one then. <laughs> clearly <laughs> it was the not. First one. Clearly not that one. <laughs> like Jigsaw got sick and died and passed it on to the cop who was Constance Mandalore and he. Uh, yeah, kept I do, up the Jigsaw. I thing. vaguely remember. That well, was five then, probably, because th- there was something that came out so. after that I never saw. I Oh, the last one with Chris Rock. Uh, mm, <laughs> not good. Which it was six? No. no. I think it was like eight or nine. Oh, right? no, I think. I think The Passing of the Torch might have been the last one that I saw. Maybe. I don't remember. They weren't bad. The last one was bad. No bueno? No. I mm, did not watch it. Not good. Chris Rock was really bad. Why the fuck is Chris Rock, as successful as he is, signing on for the eighth part of Of any movie, Mm. like at that point, nobody like that's when new actors come up. They're like, oh, it's part eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get involved in that. Oh, it's not good. Like whoever, unless it was like a franchise, like a Harry Potter where it's, you know, it's continuous. Why is anybody signing up for an eighth part of any movie? At that point, is it not straight to DVD? That wasn't in theaters. There's Uh, no way that was in theaters. I don't recall. Maybe it was straight to streaming. It was COVID, so I'm not sure much. Streaming, maybe Netflix or whatever. You're not getting eight eight sequels in a theater. Unless it's, like I said, like a continuous Mm -hmm. Harry Potter type thing. I don't remember. I remember it was. How many Lord of the Rings did they do? What was that? Six or five or three, right? Was there only three movies? Lord of the Rings? The trilogy, The yeah. So, well, but Harry Potter, didn't they make more movies than there were books? There were eight movies, seven books. Okay. They split the last book into two movies.
1: Gotcha. On May 25th, 1989, Cindy disappeared just before a five-day leave from her job. She planned for Agnes and Tom to come over and play bridge later that night, and they arrived at Cindy's home around 10 p.m. As they usually did, Agnes knocked as she pulled into the driveway and immediately felt something wasn't right. Cindy typically peeked through the drapes and waved at them, but not this time. Agnes knocked on the front door and still didn't get a response. Agnes and Tom knew that Cindy was renting out the basement to uh, Richard Johnson, so they went around to talk to him, but he hadn't seen Cindy. Something sounded like this place had like a... It wasn't really a full-blown basement. Basement it had... It was like a had a door to it and stuff that went outside, like where they could walk around back and knock. Like yeah, a separate that makes yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> That'd be super fucking weird if it was a basement, like he had to walk through the house
0: to get down there. <laughs> well, who knows how things go in Canada? There's no rules, right? <laughs> no, Dave, there's a lot of rules, and they all follow them, and they're good human beings, and they take care of each other. Unsure of what to do next, Agnes and Tom got back in
1: their car and kind of sat there for... Several minutes before deciding to head home and call the police. Why don't you head to the police station and call the police? Yeah, just drive to
0: the yeah. police station and yeah. head home. On I'm the- focusing on these suspicious fucking woodcocks now. After you said that, <laughs> yeah, I mm. never thought that until you you brought it up and. You know why? It makes sense. Spo- I, I'll tell you, spoiler alert. That's what Angie
1: thinks. Really? Angie thinks that the Woodcocks were, were behind all this. So I watched well, the
0: Unsolved Mysteries on this, and they portray Mrs. Woodcock as this nice little old lady, and they interview her, and she seems very nice. Well, her name's Agnes, right? She has to be like a nice old lady. Yeah, Ag- And Agnes is your grandma, and she bakes apple pie and gives you cookies, right? Yeah. She doesn't fuck with people like this. <laughs> Doesn't lick her own balloon knot. For sure. <laughs> I still have a question about them. There's I, never been an Agnes in the history of the world that licked her own balloon knot. Garen, you know that. You know this. Garen fucking. You know teed. This. Well, I want to see your research on that. <laughs> oh, I have the. I have the notes. Back. <laughs> I've got the research. I have graphs. I have PowerPoint presentations. I can't wait. I want to hold I want a on. whole episode Andy on this. Agnes from licking her own balloon knot. I want. I want a whole episode on this. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'll i want to save I'll, i want to save this till the end we'll see okay there has to be a motive i want to discuss that at the end
1: on the way back to their house agnes decided to drive by blundell center which was a shopping mall that cindy shopped at frequently
0: oh i see she's in a
1: hurry yeah this is pretty suspicious hmm. a well, suspicious
0: well i assume they were looking for her I took that as they were going to see if she was there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they weren't stopping to shop.
1: No, but still, they were on their way to make a phone call. It seemed like you would be
0: on to just make that call. Yeah. In my You opinion. would think you would just grab a pay phone at the very least and be like, hey. Yeah. Maybe. We're concerned. Here's her car. Or drive right to the police station. Yeah. Or find a Royal Mounted Canadian walking around on a horse somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, they ended
1: up finding her car in the parking lot close to the bank that she used. Oh,
0: did they? That's very (laughs) convenient. Agnes found no
1: sign of Cindy and at that point went straight to the police. Police responded and the officer aimed his flashlight into Cindy's car and noticed that there was blood on the driver's side door, which prompted him to call for backup. Further analysis of the car found Cindy's purse on the front seat beside four bags of groceries and a wrapped present. Cindy's wallet, bank card, and ATM deposit slip were found underneath the vehicle, but they looked like they had been placed there instead of dropped. Like, Mm. it looked... Staged. Too perfect, yeah, staged. Mm. Like, if someone was attacked that
0: stuff wouldn't have fallen like that. It would have been more scattered. Okay. I get it. But that's consistent. I think with the rest of the story, you're right. Either she did it herself. Yeah. Or again, I don't know. I wood, don't know what that answers. The woodcocks knew exactly where to yeah. find that car.
1: Hmm. Like that's really good luck on their part mm-hmm. to be like, Oh, maybe she's here and there's her car abandoned. Very good luck. I mean, maybe a coincidence, even maybe a
0: coincidence. (laughs) Mm. Mm. And even if you know, like, oh, I know she likes to shop at that mall. If you were trying to find someone's car that they'd like to shop at the mall, how long would it take you to find their car driving around the mall? These these guys were allegedly just driving by right on their way to go call the police. Right. And then decided to swing in
1: there. Mm. Let's
0: see if we see her real quick. Oh, there's the car. Is it a big Mm. mall or is it like a strip mall? It was like a shopping mall. I don't know. So it sounds like a big Mm. mall. What's a mall in Canada? Can we get the definition? Well, we had the same like mall and strip mall, same thing. That's what I meant. Like a strip mall, you could just kind of peruse through real quick. A big mall. mall, You're making laps. You're making laps. Yeah. It does make a difference.
1: Just after 1 a.m. on May 26th, police entered Cindy's house where everything looked normal. She had a deck of cards on the table for that bridge game with the Woodcocks. Nothing appeared out of the ordinary other than the fact that the blinds were open. Cindy always kept the blinds closed. (laughs) Smart. Officers arrived at Roy Makepeace's apartment around 3 15 a.m. They asked his whereabouts the previous day to which he said that he had been at the opening of a food market with a friend. After returning to Vancouver, him and his friend went to dinner. Then back to her house where he installed a stereo system for her. He left around 11:30 p.m. and then got home sometime after midnight. And this woman corroborated all that. Okay. A shopping receipt found in Cindy's car was time-stamped for 12:43 p.m. the previous day. They weren't for the groceries that f- were found in the car but for a croquet set, wrapping paper, and the present that was found on her front seat. The bank slip found underneath showed that she had deposited money at 7.58 p.m. So police contacted the bank to look at their records, and interviews were done with anyone who had used the ATM within 15 minutes of Cindy. A woman who used it at 8 p.m. recalled a blonde lady nearly driving into the side of her car, like she was speeding through the parking lot for some reason. She had been wearing a pink shirt and had shoulder-length hair, but she couldn't say for sure if it was Cindy. Could have been a woman under the influence. Another witness, a man, used the machine at 8.01 p.m. and recalled seeing a blonde lady walking diagonally across the parking lot. He'd watched her walk for a bit, a couple minutes, but he didn't see her leave. He recognized a photo of Cindy, but he wasn't sure if she was
0: the woman that he'd seen. Again? Could have been a woman under the influence, which goes back to my point that I think she might have been pilled up. I'm still trying to tie in the Woodcocks into why, but we'll we'll finish this out and get there.
1: A few days after Cindy went missing, Richard Johnson contacted police after a man called his company to ask about Cindy's life insurance policy. The caller claimed to be Cindy's father, auto-hack. So Johnson's secretary started giving the information, then stopped when she remembered she wasn't allowed to give information like that over the phone. Later, when Otto was asked about this, he denied making that call.
0: So this is what I was talking about earlier. I mixed up mm-hmm. when um, uh, Makepeace called the hospital about security reasons. This is what I was thinking yeah. of. I didn't mix it up. Over the phone. Oh, you know, or to someone who doesn't own the fucking policy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe that too. Not a great receptionist. No, <laughs> she should probably be better trained. You have Mrs. Hildebrand uh, <laughs> running you know, She'll farm, cut your balls yeah. off. <laughs> just uh, you know, just for testing purposes. <laughs> she still fucking calls me like three times a week. I hope so, lady. You ain't getting this dick. Relax <laughs> about it. <laughs> I should set up like an auto dialer app to call Mike, like <laughs> at least one, one day, like every half an hour with pre-recorded messages. Hello, Mike. <laughs> the good news is I will still eat your asshole <laughs> in this day and age, the age of these, all uh, these fucking spam calls. I screen every single call I get, unless it's from a specific person I know. So I have a lot of voicemails from a mm-hmm. solo brand, but yeah, you know, I'm not picking that up. <laughs> Yeah, I answer calls from a couple of people and from a specific area code. And if it's outside of that, then uh, no. That's even more than me. I won't even do the area code. Yeah. I'll just like eh, leave a voicemail if you want to talk to me. Like if one of you called me, I would answer because we don't ever call each other. So I'd be like, "Oh, Ian's lost. He's three streets away from where he's supposed to be. I better answer this." Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. I don't answer anything. They've rendered phones useless, at least the audio portion. Uh, the, the phone call for portion. the most part. Yeah, yeah. You we even use we text. It and we, we use the internet, and Dave gets free cheeseburgers free Big Macs with his buy one, get ones every day if you yeah. want one. Uh, hey, I'm just saying, this is what they've done to it. That's what it's yeah. become. You can do that, and then two minutes later, you're, you know, beaten off to Casey Anthony's feet. I'm just saying the option's there. <laughs> the option is there. Her feet? Is that a thing? <laughs> do you have nice feet? I, I don't know. Oh, but you could do it. <laughs> okay. It seems super specific. There's the, the websites, uh, <laughs> like the celebrity feet. Sites. I like feet just fine, but you don't have to convince me. I'm not me. judging. I'm, I'm not just judging. saying, if we were to Google right now, I'm sure there are things about it that we could look at. You okay. know, there's, there's only so, so many courtroom photos you can get off to probably, right? <laughs> probably, we'll say Probably. Now he's looking into it. We'll say the uh, <laughs> screenshot that I saw online from the, the new peacock. Mm-hmm. Shane looking is great.
1: The stress and
0: the years have taken their toll. Seems like it. I mean, if I killed my kid, I'd probably be upset. You know, she's still a good looking woman. though. She didn't look bad, but it was very, it was different. A little worn, a little more haggard. So I'm on wiki that's the celebrity site, yeah. right? Yeah. Casey has a five star beautiful feet rating on WikiFeet. Five account. out of five, <laughs> I'm five assuming. Out of five. <laughs> it's it actually five. like a 4.8. I just gave her five stars. <laughs> Did you just create an account to give her a star? No, I got an error because I'm not logged <laughs> in. Oh. I was like, God damn this guy. He's like, no, I've had an account on here for years. <laughs> There's some feet shot We do know that. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> All right, we got to stop. We gotta stop. This is not good. <laughs> All right, so she's five out of five, f- four point eight out of five. That sounds pretty good. That's what we are. We're four point eight out of five on iTunes. I, I think we're pretty good. We're a good company. So we have the same. <laughs> our podcast as is as good as Casey Anthony's feet. Some nice painted toes on the water. I, yeah, I can't, yeah, really, can't. I can't really. It's not really close up enough. Uh-huh. But look at her just hanging out at the beach. She's reading. Hmm. It's more fun if you can have your kid to play with. I think she's reading Chicken Soup for the Soul or something like that. Jesus. Here's here's an ankle bracelet feet. How's that one look? (laughs) Is that sexy with the ankle bracelet on? It's not not sexy. The home confinement ankle bracelet. Yeah. Look at that. Not a bead (laughs) ankle bracelet. Who's taking these photos? Who's taking these photos? (laughs) Guys, I was literally making a joke. I didn't know this was a thing. (laughs) Wikifeet.com. I oh. think that's. What, I knew there was like a site dedicated. There's probably a site dedicated to fucking asses and legs. And, oh, I'm sure. Well, it's called Reddit. It's probably all over there. But <laughs> I'm trying to look up like WrestleMania 27, and I'm already. I'm, I'm like on I'm photos of like Stone Cold Steve Austin's feet because I accidentally <laughs> hit Wiki Feet. <laughs> on June 8th,
1: 1989, Gordon Starchuk, who was a construction worker, found Cindy's body in the backyard of an abandoned house at 8111 Blundale Road in Richmond, which was about a mile or so from the shopping mall her car was found at. Her body was hogtied with rope, and she was laying in the fetal position with a black nylon stocking bound around her neck. Cindy's right leg was laying under some blackberry bushes, and her coat was found lying near her body. On the house's fuel tank outside, police found written in orange spray paint quote, some bitch died here. And then from that fuel tank, um, a line was spray painted along the ground in that same orange paint. And it led to Cindy's body with a big circle drawn around her. An autopsy determined that Cindy had died from an overdose of morphine, Valium and Xanax. Her blood toxicology report showed that she had 10 times the lethal dose of morphine in her bloodstream. When you
0: say her right leg was lying under some blackberry bushes, it wasn't cut off. No, no, no. Okay. It was just how she was found. You can find that photo. It's widely circulated. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not. But this is another twist. Mm-hmm.
1: The police suspected Cindy's cause of death was probably suicide or an accident based on the belief that she had made all of this up. Her private investigator, Cabin, visited the morgue to examine her body on June 10th, and he saw that her remains showed lividity, which is the settling of blood post-mortem, where it shows up on your skin and it stays there. Because her body had been found lying on its right side, Cabin felt that she may have died elsewhere and that her body was dumped at that site where she was found. The inquest into Cindy's death concluded on May 25th, 1990, After deliberations, the jury was unable to determine whether her cause of death was suicide, homicide, or accidental. It was ruled that Cindy had died of a, quote, unknown event, and the case was formally closed. She's hogtied, and she's filled with drugs. The drugs are interesting because when you hear that, you initially are like, how would anybody be able to... Do anything on morphine, you know, tie themselves up. If if she did this all herself, right? Um, But it wasn't an injection of morphine; it was tablets. And according to you know doctors that testified, it could take about fifteen minutes for that amount to set in, to start feeling the full effects of that overdose. They said
0: unsolved mysteries too.
1: So the fact that she OD doesn't this doesn't rule out that she was
0: could have been involved. Was it impossible to tie these knots by yourself? That's what I keep going back to, the hog tying.
1: They weren't tight, like crazy tight or anything like that. They were always kind of sloppy. Have you ever seen the
0: movie The Life of David Gale with your girl Kate Winslet and Kevin Spacey? I do love Kate Winslet. <clears throat> I like Kevin Spacey, too. Where? Well, I, I liked him. I'm going to... So, a spoiler alert here on blah, this 20-year-old 20, 20 movie. Spoiler. 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 <laughs> Go ahead. Talk about it. Like, the point little. of the movie was they were anti-death penalty activists. And this uh, Laura Linney had a f- uh, terminal illness. So, they set up this thing where they, where it made it to look like her death was Kevin Spacey murdering her. And he got the death penalty. But then after he died, they someone who was working with them released the video of her actually killing herself and showed her tying the own like tying the bag around her head and putting her own handcuffs on, kind of supposedly showing that you know
1: nobody the death
0: penalty is wrong and it's always possible for someone to be wrongly convicted of. Mm. I don't know. That's what I thought of when I when I read this story. It's a good movie though. If you ever get a chance to see it, The Life of David Gale. Now I'm gonna watch it. Um yeah i don't know i i really have no fucking clue i went back and forth so many times reading this and like i, I want to say she had access to morphine and and xanax and everything else working at the hospital but you know agnes woodcock did too because that's where she worked as well right yeah they were co-workers <laughs> yeah. right I yeah. don't see a motive here for the Woodcocks terrorizing this woman for, for, I don't like this see a long. motive for Seems anybody. Odd. I don't see a motive for anybody. I think there's more signs of this woman being mentally ill and, and leading to her having some sort of psychosis where she either thought this was happening to her or was actually making it happen to herself. And maybe that's I, I, I fueled know, her drug addiction, her pills. Maybe. I, I don't know. It don't, seems like a lot of this stuff might require the help of somebody else. That the the being hogtied, possibly her body being moved. But then why? I think with a little practice, you can probably figure out how to tie yourself up like this. The BTK pictures, you know, every
1: time I'm like, how the hell would she tie herself? You know, her hands behind her back like that. But
0: even sloppy and like somehow Dennis Rader did it mm-hmm. really well but why then if you're cognizant enough to want to learn all of that are you trying to prove that somebody was out to get you I, the motive I can't for speak any for the one mental of, illness like I, for I any know. one of these theories so you you're you're you'll say maybe mental illness then you think that's the only thing that makes any sense to me but the it's the only door that hasn't been explored I guess there's a lot of Weird Woodcock stuff in this story, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of inconsistencies. A lot of what are they doing that for? Again, the motive. Yes, there's no motive though. There's no motive. What are you getting out of this? You're helping a girl kill herself. Why? We're, or were they in cahoots with her? Were they, I I don't know. I I don't think we're in ever cahoots know. for what? I, I exactly. Are we selling pills? Is she selling pills from the hospital? I don't. I don't get that vibe. Doesn't seem like that's what's going on. I don't disagree, but what are you in cahoots for then? Are you making money? Is that why there's random people outside the house? I think I said that earlier like the the weird thing is <clears throat> though I th- hopefully
1: I'm right what I'm about to say but the weird thing is the woodcocks are primarily the only people that have seen someone standing have seen a mystery man standing outside who the one guy who allegedly ran ran away right. Didn't a neighbor notice someone going into the gate or something like a that? And they said it wasn't Roy make peace. Right. Other than that, every time there's a mysterious man standing there, the woodcocks have seen that person.
0: Mm. Which as a neighbor, you would be most likely to see them. But I keep going back to why, What? It, what is the, what is your motive for it? It's really weird to just, just think, oh, they did it. They were a part of this. It is, right? When there's nothing they're gaining from this. Are they still alive, the
1: Woodcocks? I don't know. I mean, based That's on that unsolved mystery, she looks pretty she was, old. Yeah, she doesn't say she's pretty old. When she's probably like 120 now or so. Oh, well, then she's probably not. because I think we keep a list at that point. She's still alive.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Guys, I don't I don't know. It's a very strange story. And you can't
1: even say what that dead meat call. like uh, It's a woman, so... It's definitely Cindy because it could be Agnes. Exactly. Yeah, doing it. Yeah. Like I said earlier, Angie fully believes that the Woodcocks did this. Motive, who
0: knows? I don't know. Nobody would know. You just did that for shits and giggles. Yeah. Are the Woodcocks serial killers? Uh, we don't, we talk about all the time like how many serial killers out there are still alive yeah. or got away with it? Did Cindy wrong her in some way at work? And this was, she played a long game and. The real long game, like crazy long game. (laughs) There's nothing definitive here. I don't know. I wouldn't argue hard with someone who believed that. Mm -mm. If it was Cindy and the Woodcocks were just
1: friends and, and everything. I think that she died from an accidental overdose. I think the times that she was unconscious and found and like in this drug state, I think she took those pills just to make it more believable. So when Agnes woke her up, she was, you know,
0: would be disoriented, things like that. In this time, she took too much. So you think she did that, like, when the, the was it Agnes that found her in the backyard, or the neighbor found her in the backyard? Yeah, and then like she then was, she made up the story about the knife assault and all that right and then when she had the knife through her hand and was pinned she
1: was disoriented and out of it Mm -hmm. there was always this common theme of some drugging happening if it was her i would lean towards that she just accidentally Mm -hmm. but then who tied her up she would tie herself up and stage this whole thing but then that is so Mm -hmm. crazy to do that and not to be for that long for that long to and to, live like that and to end in that way it's not unheard of though to just like thinking of that scene spray paint on the wall you spray paint it
0: yourself some bitch died here you draw an arrow and an outline doesn't that make you, more sense you you but that's the other thing it it's, some bitch died here because you almost had you had me there for a second but then there's some bitch died here and that is where she died She would have. So if she was doing it, was that supposed to be an accident then where you said she might've accidentally overdosed? And then someone saved her
1: like the other times, like when she was laying in a ditch
0: for no reason. Or even when in the house, right? It said time to die cunt or something like that. I I think that's where I come down. I, I think this was all done by her. I don't think there's another reasonable explanation. I struggle to understand the the Woodcock's involvement. It certainly seems likely, but I don't understand why it would happen. and I would need to understand why before I was like, yeah, I, I think they're involved. Every
1: time I think that she was in that she did this all herself, I always go back to then who was the, who did everybody see outside her house at various times. You know, because if you think that she did all of this herself, the Woodcocks are telling the truth about seeing a
0: strange man, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not making shit up. But if she was perhaps an addict, could there not have just been strange men showing up at different times? Maybe. Where she's, are you pulling the addict from, though? Well, I think she's clearly on medicated through a lot. Yes. Look at what they found in her body when she was dead. She's showing up in neighbor's houses incoherent. Yeah. She had access to all this medication. So you think she's constantly medicated versus just medicating herself in order to pull off these kind of. I think there's medication mixed with mental health like we we had talked about. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that's a, a major part of it.
1: I think if if she did this all herself, I think she was definitely drugging herself. To make these situations more believable.
0: Maybe numbing whatever feeling she was having because of her mental health. And she clearly, again, had easy access to, to medication that she could just do it. But like that she just
1: sat down and said that this is going to be the story. I'm found in a ditch and I've been drugged and I'm incoherent. So she just drugs herself and gets in the ditch. For what reason? I have no
0: idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to make the most sense of it that I can. Maybe there was a lot more going on with this lady than we know of because they they didn't, you know, all they did was what split personality. That was the only test they gave her. Maybe there was a lot more going on with her. Perhaps drug usage. Perhaps something. I, I don't know. The, the toughest thing, I guess, the biggest thing I, I would challenge is if the Woodcocks are involved, I'm still failing to understand how. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want, see why? a clear path there what, or not, a motive or why? anything. Why, yeah. So then, who else we talk about? Well, we, we talk about the cop.
1: I think the Woodcocks thing, too, is just that a lot. Of, there's a lot of convenient things with them. They're conveniently there for things.
0: But and, But they're also neighbors. They're going to see the most. Well, it's her best friends, right? She wanted them to stay there. Yeah. So if your best friend was going through all these things, I don't think it's that big of a leap to be there constantly checking up on her, her wanting to stay there and protect her. The whole driving by the mall thing, though, I don't know. That's weird. Even. But again, there's evidence to support the Woodcocks. But what's the motive? Like, what are they getting out of this? Yeah. Why are they doing that? There's also evidence to support her two lovers, the police officer who moved in and then automatically becomes friends with her ex-husband, who's calling the hospital to ask about what security looked like. Did Roy have an alibi when she died? He was out with that friend of his. Oh. So let's go back to McBride going to prison.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he <laughs> sexually assaulted two women. and was Shortly after this, a long time after this, like not. Not too long after this. Hmm. Cass. <clears throat> yes,
0: that says something Some too. Suspicion. <laughs> yeah.
1: But to believe that he would have had to have picked up where either Roy left off, somebody left off, or
0: But but he he did become good friends with Roy, which does give a little bit of a leadway to maybe he got involved. Yeah, and then it just He was assigned to investigate. He now becomes friends with her ex-husband, who she believes is the one stalking. Now, all of a sudden, maybe he's involved. Oh, by the way, after this has ended, he's got two sexual assault charges. It—it's it, the possibility is there. It is. It one hundred percent is. There's no proof, though. No, there's not. It's just conject- there's no proof it's of conjecture. There's literally no that. proof of anything. No. And I almost feel bad the fact that I. Like, I feel like I'm pinning it just on her and she's clearly, she suffered a terrible death. I don't mean to do that. I'm just trying to talk it out and figure out, you know, what we think happened here. I think she was mentally ill and I think she did all this or so. The mentally ill part is the only question like we really don't have answered. So I think I agree that that, I mean, that's, that's also the easy way to go because we don't have that answer, but I, I, you know, it's I, very plausible. I'm not 100% sure, but it's no, it's the no. likeliest scenario here. I'm not 100% convinced, though. What are you thinking over there, pal? He said he went back and forth I once know. A time. F- so I'm curious to see where he lands on this. You, you know, now that we gave him such, you know, thorough answers <laughs> on why we think what we think, meanwhile, we're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know.
1: <laughs> I think it does make the most sense that she concocted all of this. And a lot of that, I'm basing off of the police work that was involved here. I mean, Mm -hmm. they spent millions of dollars investigating this case and putting people on.
0: The frequency in which this
1: happened. I just talked myself out of it in my head because I'm like, (laughs) if this was that McBride guy, he would have known when surveillance was on and when it was
0: off. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, that's what I mean. Every time you come up with a plausible scenario, like, oh, what about this? But what about this? So if, if, if we're going the route of mental illness and I still think there was maybe prescription medication involved, was she trying to frame a specific person or was she so far maybe removed from reality and out of it that she was just doing this shit? Did she have an end game in mind? I think is what I'm I, I'm getting to. Or was it just this is happening to me. Help. Boy, I don't know. I, I don't. think it, it's. I mean we're trying to ask questions of someone we might be assuming has some mental health issues. I understand that. And how does someone that mentally ill function in the capacity of of you know in the healthcare system like that?
1: It seems a bit of a stretch as well. I guess it depends. I don't know. I mean she had a lot of support around her from her parents and things like uh, that. And I, I wonder if it got this far because the police were working so hard on it. If it was that would, fueled that it went on this long, that it went on for six years
0: because she got the attention,
1: what do you mean? I think like they were bouncing off of each other a little bit, like mm. she was getting that attention. Um, so she's like, I like this, maybe it, keep
0: this going. A mix of that is fueling the delusions, Which, Dave. you goes back to oh your one God. point where she kind of upped the the ante on I forget whatever it was that happened, but you were like, Oh, their well, family. She, It's like, Oh, is. yeah, there is something else going on here, but I can't tell you what it is. Or, 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 no, when she said, uh, if you're hurt. not going to take it in your hands, I know who did it, I'm going to take it in my hands. Right. Kind of upping it up, you know, a little bit. And, and then, like, saying that they'll
1: kill her family instead mm-hmm. of instead of her, which they could have killed her
0: multiple times throughout this right. saga. Yeah, and in her garage with the knife in the park when there was the man and the woman.
1: Yep. Mm. It's a very odd story, but I, I almost wonder if... Just the support she was getting from her parents, the police,
0: her friends just kept fueling her delusions. I feel bad that, well, first of all, I feel awful that this had, you know, she had a tragic death. Something was going on, whether she was murdered, she was dealing with her own shit. I have no idea what happened with this one. I really don't. Like, I was about to... I was about to use that
1: um how much work the police did as an example of you know why she would have done it herself but then i it popped in my head that mcbride was the police officer and i think if we sat here doing this all night we'd probably come up with that kind of stuff over and over again like Th- that's a, exactly i right. think
0: if we sat here doing this all night we come up with a hundred and fifty thousand different reasons for every one of these theories to make sense yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get to a conclusion here, but that's that's where I land. I, I couldn't imagine living, under, living in these conditions for as long as she did. It's a terrifying existence. If this yeah. is real, and it's very plausible, it is. I could not imagine living this way for Mm-mm. as long as she did. Here's something I'll bring up. Um,
1: to your point, Dave, you were saying that how could someone this mentally ill function... She, um, this is really like gang stalking. This is gang stalking ramped up, but it's pretty damn close to what gang stalking people say, you know, what they say happens Uh, to them. There's a bunch of those people that go to work and have jobs and stuff. They just
0: compartmentalize, write Their
1: delusions. And
0: yeah, I don't think we're going to solve this one. mm -mm. Nope. It is what it is. Sometimes it's okay to leave stories open ended, right? That's why it's an unsolved mystery, right? And they also make for it like the best main. the best episodes. Like I enjoy when we yeah. can have these debates. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a few weeks ago with the RFK assassination and all of our, the missing people we've we've covered, and I don't know. It's a good conversation. Either way, whether or not this all was in this lady's head and she was perpetuating it herself, or if someone was actually doing this to her, as a pretty bad ending to her life and a lot of extremely sad pretty horrific string of years there that she went through so yeah and we kind of
1: just blew through uh 87 but you know after that 10 weeks she spent in the psychiatric ward it was just kind of the usual which is you know super it's terrible to say but the usual for her of these phone calls or her believing these phone calls or, or whatever right, right. but that went on for all of 87 you know we, we skipped over that whole yeah, year that's just that's horrific i think that's all there is though if i had to put money on it i guess i would say that she was behind it but i don't yeah. fully i'm not 100 percent in that
0: shut the fuck up uh siri god damn these <laughs> nah, phones stop. going up for two minutes no stop. one even said siri until just now I am 100% with you. That's where I land, but I, I'm not convinced, though. Okay. Dave, what do you got for uh, Patreon? I got a bunch of patrons here. Oh, boy. It's only been a few days. That sounds awesome. Has it been? Yeah. Well, a week, yeah. Has it been a week? We've been recording a lot. I don't know. I can't remember these what's bonus all, shows, what's not. together. Goddamn, pal. Here we go. All right. Thank you to Secretary at Cucks Across America. Oh, you got a new secretary Managing your uh, fuck schedule, like mugs? Mm. Well, I didn't interview anybody. Oh, Declan, what the fuck are you doing? Might have hired themselves. I'm going to see you in 10 minutes, pal. Bring the paddle. (laughs) Bring the paddle. (laughs) Michaela Ferguson, Damian Harrison. My girlfriend is a habitual open door pooper, but now I'm used to it. Oh, I don't condone that at all. No. We not, no. First but, of all, girls don't poop. Nobody wants that. <laughs> girls don't <laughs> poop. So I don't know what she's doing in there. Maybe she's giving birth, but <laughs> that's disgusting. Repulsive. Uh, that's a hard sell there. <laughs> Lauren McAleer, Mike Hunt, that's oldie but a goodie. <laughs> Classic. Mason Hill, Olivia Gall, Bruno Napolitano. Caleb Maori, Zane Rice, Mel loves to knit. All right, knit me, knit uh, Mike Downpot, a uh, uh, knit condom he can wear. What? Protect his wiener. That was almost a sentence, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> knit condom. <laughs> Martin Christmas sweater for my cock. <laughs> Martin McInerney. That's what was in my head a Christmas sweater for your cock. Elliot Meyer, Stuart Graham. Mikey Tuck, Joe O'Connell, Anthony Thompson, Bree, Lauren Larman, Baby, Bobby Yanoviak, Mo Lester, (laughs) don't love that. William Ross Adams, Sniff Snuff, Sniff Snut, Sniff Snuff. Sorry, Sniff Snuff, Sniff Snuff. (laughs) Autumn, Riley Eastman, Sarah Shelton, Amanda Ham. Aleandra, Dalton Hiltz, Amber Sweet, Carlos Alvarez, Cindy, Vivian Hunter, Michaela Taylor, Grace Schlemmer, Zach Attack, Brittany Petzl, Don Taylor, Aaron, Jessica Anderson, Kate Etheridge, Jacqueline Holtzsnyder, Dalton Valentine, Laura McGrath, Riley Gish, Brady Porter, Ivana Misbehave. <laughs> she give her a call, Mike. <laughs> What's up? Matt, Tom, Nick Fortin, Judge James, Tanner, Ashley Keepers, Allie Lacina, Kate Janicki, Ben Luffy, Dr. Teeny Weenie Peeny. So at <laughs> least a gynecologist. Astros... Oh boy, I'm gonna have a hard time here. Astros Sigartoire. Ellie owes Curtis a sex tape. Are they using our platform to have like revenge with each other? <laughs> damn. Come on, Ellie. Send Curtis that sex tape already. I do Jesus. You're doing. That's it. Oh. Thank you, right. patrons. Thank you so much. I'm sorry about that last name. I butcher I butcher I try it again? Astros Sigor or Dotir. Cigur- or do-tier. Oh! <laughs> I was I got really excited when you were like Matt Tom. I was just hoping if like, uh, oh no, you said did you say Matt Tom? I think was it was two different names. Yeah, Matt and Tom, two oh, different people. Never mind. Okay, I misunderstood. Ian, what do you got
1: for iTunes? I won for Boston Mom Five Sly Horizon Nineteen Curly Nerd R N Kleicher, Dana Thompson Russian Atlas. KB Rock 223 and Dezai Kaneki. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews.
0: That Boston mom, Mike, you want to pack your car and a box? <laughs> uh, can you repeat that in English, please? <laughs> <laughs> it's been uh, well documented on this show. The people from the New England area, most likely Boston, they don't speak English. It's a different kind of English. I don't know what they speak. It's very hard to understand what they're saying. It's a different dialect than uh, us S- Mid- Midwestern folk are used to. Yeah. Certainly is. Can you imagine if you put like people from Boston in the same room as like people from like Talladega, Alabama, and just let them like have a debate on something <laughs> and we just sit back and watch non English debate each other. <laughs> non English. <laughs> Do you feel like you have an Ohio accent? Oh yeah. Yeah. But I also feel like it's like it's not the accent, right? Like this is how like people That's that Midwestern Cleveland accent. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We do. We have, it's a it. little, it's a little we have it. We have it. We have it for sure. Well, you do adding your plurals to everything. Yeah. We went to the Walmart no, 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 today. No. He has a Southern Ohio accent. He doesn't have a Cleveland well, accent. Well, it's a Pittsburgh accent. Yeah. That's still Midwest. This is different, though. I think we have to embrace it, though. It's it's different. He not talk like us. It's <laughs> just true. Just in general, you think? Oh, yeah. It's completely different. Hmm. I, maybe I'm just used to it. I don't even notice. I mean, I don't even notice our accents, but obviously you don't because you Mm. you live here. Yeah, we're we're Midwest. (laughs) For sure. Which is weird that Ohio, it's still weird to me that Ohio is Midwest. What else would it be? Well, if you look at the map of the country, we're not even close to the West. We're not even close to the middle of the fucking country. But because there's so many fucking small ass states that they're like, oh, well, you other 20 states Oh, now we're going to separate you. You don't like that? Oh, I think geographically, <laughs> it's probably not accurate. It's a borderline. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, what are you going to do? I'm not going to change it. It is what it is. <laughs> Like is. You're not? We're stuck. Like, here we are. <laughs> there should be like a Great Lakes region, I feel like. And there's not. Like a New York, PA, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin. Maybe even Minnesota, hmm. like a, a Great Lakes region. And then there's like the Midwest, like like the, the Wyoming's, the Iowa's, the Kansas, the Oklahoma's, hmm. Nebraska's. That is the Midwest. Redraw the map, Mike. Get it going. <sighs> you elect Mike Namapod to Congress, and this is what I'm going to work on. I will redraw your map, yeah. motherfuckers. We are the Great Lakes region. <laughs> I do think there's a difference, but we do talk the same. So what are you going to do about that? You can't change that. Oh, also oh, we like our, oh yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. We like our pizza cooked. Oh, oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, we have been rambling. That's all I got. I got no military shout outs, no forums. I reviews. apologize. Yeah. I got nothing else. If you submitted a military shout out and I missed it for whatever reason, I'm all caught up. Please send it back. They come in from all different kinds of social media and email addresses. And, uh, it's possible that some slip through. So if we uh, missed you, please resubmit. Yeah. Let us know. Cause we, we definitely want to give you that shout out. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, patreon.com slash Check out uh spring for all of our uh, latest merch. You can get that on, on any of our link trees uh, on our socials and uh, good I place think, to do your Christmas shopping. Fantastic place to do Christmas shopping, wine glasses, Oh, yeah. Koozies. No. No. I don't know what's up there. Shirts. Some, some putties, stickers. Some posters. Stickers. Some posters, posters. There you putties, go. Tank tops. All the good stuff. All your loved stuff. ones. Thanks for listening. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer?
1: Cheers.